Place Church for those here that are here for the first time. Same. And uh, let's, uh, let's pray and let's jump into the Word of God this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the teacher. You are the change agent of God. You transform us. And you said you sent your word and it healed them. Heal us today, Lord. Save us, deliver us, empower us by the preached word of the living God. And everybody said loudly, amen. Amen. All right, I did not have to solicit that at all. All right, I'm going to teach today about what I'm calling the greatest gifts. We're in the Christmas season. What's one of the greatest gifts that you've ever received uh, for Christmas, Francisco? Think about it. Toys? Was this recently? Oh, okay, I was just checking. All right. Somebody else. What kind of, what, what's one of the greatest gifts you've ever received for Christmas? BB gun. A BB gun. What'd you get? A vanity with a mirror? A little secret hiding spot? Come on. Oh, nobody can top that, but try. Somebody else. One of your greatest Christmas gifts you've ever received. A new car. Seriously? Oh, well, a new old car. You don't have to pay for it. That's good enough. Yeah. So we get these Christmas gifts or we give these Christmas gifts and they are exhilarating for a while. And so these gifts that we get are temporal. The gifts that God gives are permanent and they are powerful and they are wonderful and they are supernatural. Can you name some of the gifts that God gives to us to shout them out? What's this, Mary? Salvation. Salvation. Okay. And everything else you say is going to be second to that. All right. Salvation. Next. Peace. Eternal life. Healing. Forgiveness. Holy Spirit. Joy, come on, each other, that, that's good or bad, um, depending, all right, what did you say back here, what, oh, clarity, oh, okay, good, I thought you said Claritin, I was like, well, <laughs> you can actually pick that up down CVS, but, you know, clarity, he makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But I want to capitalize on three gifts that God gives us today that I think are three of the most powerful. Next week, for our Christmas service, we're going to look at hope. Because we live in a hopeless world. And Jesus brings hope. Your friends, your family members, your neighbors need to hear the gospel. So bring them next week. But today, for us, I'm going to talk about three gifts that God gives that are like you can't live without them. Love, joy, and peace. Just say it out loud. Love, joy, and peace. I want you to do an exercise with me real quick as we dive into this. I want you to use your imagination, which God gave to you for uh, creativity. That's why he gave it to you. He's the creator. I want you to create a world in your mind right now. Imagine the world. There is no love. No love.
I'm petting her and she's licking my hand and looking at you know the way God gave dogs those looks that's just not fair right the dog look the the poor me dog look the puppy look no love but what if it was just a dog and it's just there but there's no like emotional connection there whatsoever imagine there's no love between you and God welcome to every other religion on the planet besides Christianity Okay, imagine, well, by the way, what did that feel like? Awful. <laughs> Awful. That pretty much covers all the bases, doesn't it? Darkness. Darkness. Hopeless. Hopeless. Depressing. Depressing. Okay, I want you to imagine a world fearful and bitter. I want you to now imagine another world, same world. Not only is there no love, there's no joy. Imagine that. Just go ahead. No joy between friends, no laughter, no humor grandchildren not bringing you any joy they're there you don't enjoy sports mark he records every football game every sunday so he puts his idol second to god which is good he's learned he's he's got those repositioned properly but he'll record every game and watch every game because you enjoy it right you it brings you joy we have different sources of joy sports pets hobbies But imagine a world with no joy. Imagine a world with no peace. That's not hard to do right now. But imagine no internal peace for you, ever. Only stress, anxiety, fear, worry. No external peace in your relationships. Between nations. Just chaos, division, strife. The reason imagining these things is shocking to us is because we were created for them. That's why we strive for love, joy, and peace our entire lives. We scrape and try to grab a hold of these things and hold on to these things with every fiber of our being because they're so important because we were made from love and for love. And joy and peace follow love. Like a well-loved child is a joyful, peaceful creature. And a child that is not loved well is a miserable, insecure, a home where mom and dad get along is a home of safety and peace. A home where mom and dad are fighting all the time breeds insecurity down to the kids. We need love. We need joy. We need peace in our world to survive and to thrive. The reason that love is the key is because love does no harm to its neighbor. So the Bible says, love does no harm to its neighbor. Every selfish act Or every cruel act is an absence of love. Every selfish and cruel act is an act that is absent of love. That's why Jesus said the entire Bible. If you're like, well, the Bible's a big book and it's intimidating. Jesus said the entire Bible rests on two commands. Commands. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Think about it. If we would just love one another, there would be no pain. There would be no division. There would be no strife. There would be, because there's no selfishness, right? I want us to look at a world very quickly that is void of these things, love, joy, and peace. And then we're going to look at a world that would be filled with these things. And it's right there in the Bible. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, Paul talks about the self-life, the selfish life, versus the life that is led by the Holy Spirit. And it's pretty graphic. 
But all I'm going to do is just read the scripture. It's right here. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 23, it says, the behavior of the selfish life, the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way. Now this is, I'm not talking about any of you. Yeah, these are, these are people in the other church down the street when you drive by these other places and by the bars and other people's homes. And this isn't about you, so don't worry about it. Because none of you have ever dealt with sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after other things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and other similar behavior. Does that pretty much cover the bases? What an awful world. Yeah, and every soap opera that you could watch on TV it has it right there. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? Okay, that's the ugly world. Look at this beautiful world. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit or self-control. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless i mean we imagined a world without love control can you imagine a world where people did not operate in self-control yeah easy just look at our world right now imagine a world that is just filled with the fruit of the spirit imagine that Imagine living in a world where there's only love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Do you know what that world is called? Yes, heaven. The kingdom of God. And yes, that is heaven. The Bible says that in heaven, that's all it will be. There will be no tears, there will be no crying, there will be no pain, be no loneliness in heaven. However, Jesus told us, his church, to pray while you're living on earth. Pray what? Your kingdom come, your Your will be done. Where? On earth earth, as it is in heaven. And so Jesus' mission, desire, passion is for his church to experience and to release as much heaven on earth as possible in fact did you know that when the earth but the bible says when the church is taken out of the earth the entire earth is just going to go to hell in a handbasket it's over the bible says the church is the only thing that is stopping satan and his kingdom from running roughshod over the human race You and I, Jesus said, are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. When we are removed, there is no light and there is no salt and it's all over. Don't think you don't count. You intimidate the enemy and you, 
you, you can release heaven on earth. This all began at the birth of Christ. When Jesus came to the earth as a baby, it changed the world forever. Why? Tell me why. Why did the coming of Christ change the world forever? Because the king came. Because the king came. Fulfilling a promise. And what is the promise? It is the first time ever in human history that the kingdom of God was open to the human race. Come on. He's the door. It was the first time the invitation to enter the kingdom of God existed. That's why the angels were singing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Or peace on earth. No, no, the song. Peace on earth, mercy my own. God and sinners reconciled. Anybody got the next verse? Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the what? Oh, I thought you said the tribes in the sky. Trying for the sky. That would work too. All of it is wrapped around the king. How do you and I experience this world that I've been talking to you about? A world full of divine love, divine joy, divine peace, divine faithfulness, divine kindness, divine goodness, divine self-control. It all begins and it increases every day of your life when you and I submit to the king of the kingdom. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm going to tell you some really bad news right now. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. We did not vote Jesus in. We didn't have like a number of saviors and then they get to give us their best pitch. And then we get to vote who we want our savior to be. The kingdom of God is what? A kingdom. And he is the king. And when you, and maybe you've never done it before, when you kneel down and you submit your life to the king of the kingdom, that is when his love fills your heart, his peace rushes into your soul, and there's a joy that you've never experienced before that floods your soul. And Kenya, you're looking at me right now, and you're shaking your head like this, and water's starting to fill your eyes, because you experienced that for the first time last year here at the Gathering Place Church, didn't you? Yeah, that's why. Yeah. That's why she's on the front row right here going like this the entire time I'm preaching. Those of you who have been saved a long time, like Lance on the back with his arms folded going, looking at his watch like this. See, Lance is like waiting for the king to come back. He's, man, I've been doing this for a long time. I've done my tour of duty. I'm ready to go home. But Kenya's up here on the front row going, I just got started. I'm kidding, Lance. But look, here's the danger, family of God. You could grow up in church. You could have gone to church for years and years. And you, as you distance yourself from the king, and it becomes church, it becomes ritual, it becomes duty, and you lose that first love of when you first came to Christ, 
or first said yes to him. You lose that first love and you lose the experience, the daily experience and encounter of that divine love, joy, and peace. And then you become as ugly as every other person who's not even a Christian walking with Jesus, maybe even worse. Because we have head knowledge, but we're not walking and experiencing the king of the kingdom. And so it is so important for us to continue to nurture that relationship with the king of the kingdom. And let me tell you about this king. People that hate God, hate Christianity, hate Jesus, they will tell you, or they just don't know him, they will tell you that that bowing your knee to Jesus, giving your loyalty to the king is a bad idea. Because it's going to be restrictive, a joy killer. It's all rules and regulations. It's not going to be any fun. But look at what the Bible says about who Jesus truly is. This is the prophetic scripture of Jesus coming to the earth. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government, everybody say the government. government. Yeah. The government's not going to end when we die and go to heaven. Everybody groans. The government government is God's design for our existence. There's got to be government to govern. The question is, who gets to be the leader of the government? And we're very passionate about that, aren't we? Because we want what we believe is the right way for a, for, for a society to operate. Uh, we want our guy or gal in that seat of power, even no matter how corrupt they might be, because they are going to push our agenda forward. As one person said to me, how could anybody vote for so-and-so? and be a Christian. My response was, first, I didn't vote for so-and-so out of my Christianity because I couldn't because they are morally bankrupt. But so is the other candidate. So I didn't vote for either one of them out of my Christianity, uh, Christian morals. I voted for them, the person I voted for, out of the policies I believe would be releasing the kingdom of God into the earth closest. But you see, none of that's going to matter when Jesus is ruling. You see, it's not a democracy, it's a kingdom. But as long as the king is a benevolent, merciful, kind, sacrificial king, then we're good, right? And that's who he is. And there will never be one until he reigns and rules. But here's the key. Once you give your life to Jesus, his kingdom has already begun inside of you. That kingdom rule has already begun. And then as you and I relate to others in earth, how we spend our time and our money, our purpose and our mission in life, it all needs to flow out of the king's desires. Therefore, we are therefore spreading the kingdom of God on earth as long as we live here. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, so let's look at his name. His name will be called Wonderful. Now think about any other political leader, any other president, any other king or queen you've ever heard of whose name is actually wonderful. Counselor. Okay, now we're going to depart the natural. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Now I'm not going to dive down into those names because we're going to do that next week when I preach on hope. The hope of the world. It's right there. It's all wrapped up in him. But look what it says about him. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Can everybody say amen? Amen. 
He doesn't get voted out in four years or eight years. It's eternal. There will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice, judgment, that means fairness and justice. He's the only one that can actually uh, implement fairness and justice. From that time forward and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drill down very quickly on this love, joy, peace that comes from him because these are the gifts, the greatest gifts, I believe, that he gives. First of all, let's look at the love. Let me ask you a question. What president, king, queen, dictator have you ever known that knows every citizen of their kingdom or their country? Knows them by name. I mean, can you think of any, any, any leader who knows them all by name, knows where they live, knows where they live, knows their children, knows their home, knows their pets, knows their hearts, their fears, their anxieties, their worries, their hopes, their dreams, and loves them. Not only loves them, but whose motivation is to serve. To serve every citizen of their kingdom. To the point where he or she would literally give his or her life for the poorest, least citizen of his or her kingdom. Is there any political leader, ruler, that you get any of your wildest imaginations that could be true? And yet that is our king. That is our king. I was in my kitchen yesterday thinking about this, and I thought, Jesus loves me like me and he knows my kitchen (laughs) like he loves my life he knows my kids he knows my pets he knows my car he knows where i work he knows what i do he knows where i go he knows me by name and he loves me he knows the worst of you and loves you anyway And he loves you so much, he died for you. Can you say that he knows you and loves you? Like, can you say that? Like, for real. Like, don't just say yes because you're in church. Can you say with integrity, my king knows me and he loves me? And it even gets better than him knowing you and loving you. Look at Romans 5, 5 says, already we have some experience of the love of God flooding through our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. Not only does our King know you and love you, he literally, when you give your life to him, takes his love and pours it into your heart so that you can feel his love for you. (laughs) That's crazy, man. Oh my gosh. And this love is a completely different kind of love than the love that you and I know. Did you know that? Like, let me ask you a question. Ryan, I'm going to pick on you. Why do you love your wife? Is, okay, look, I'm setting you up to get points right now. So don't blow it, all right? Just, this, is, this is a softball, man. Come on. Why do you love your wife? She's a good person. Anything else? 
She's beautiful. There we go. All right. All right. Yeah, I was, I was, I was like giving you an opportunity there, and you, you did well. She's a good person, and she's beautiful. All right, let's see if we can get a reciprocal here. Why do you love your husband? Oh, my God, she's taking too long. Oh, no. She's thinking because there's so much. You gotta, yeah, you just, it's hard to pick one, I know. Because he's patient. That's good. That's enough. That, that, that's a winner right there. Somebody else, why, why do you love your... Why, okay, you guys are engaged. Congratulations. Why do you love your fiancé? Because he's kind. All right, that's beautiful. Why do you love your fiancé? Because she loves you unconditionally. Dude, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, that love right there is called conditional love. Sorry. Human love, listen, human love loves someone or something because that someone or something is lovely. Do you know God's love is a completely different kind of love? It's not a human love at all. It's a divine love. It's called agape. And do you know we get the word gaping from the word agape? It literally means, the translation of agape literally means mouth wide open in wonder or awe. It's a kind of love that when you experience it, you literally go. The reason is because when you, in all your darkness and your sin, all the stuff we read earlier about those other people, the lustful thoughts, the jealousy of others, you're, you're, you, you think your opinions are the best, the pride, the arrogance, all the stuff we read, and you see that in yourself, and God literally says, I love you so much, I can't stand it. I love you anyway, and would die for you. That's what causes you to go, that's called agape. God doesn't love us because we're lovely. He loves us because God is love. That was what makes it imper- that's what makes it perfect and permanent. Love is not known until it is shown. And God showed us His love when His son died on the cross. I remember one time, Mark, you were telling the story about uh, this girl who had a very abusive upbringing. And she wasn't a Christian. And you were trying to minister to her. And you thought, you know, I'm not getting through to her head. So I'm going to ask God to get to her heart. And he, and he said, let's just stop for a minute. And I'm just going to ask God to touch you. And this girl, she was an Indian girl, right? She was, she was from India. Huh? Yeah, she was from India. And so we did that. He did it. He stopped and he touched her. I mean, God touched her. And she started crying and he said, what's going on? And she said, I know this is your God because none of my gods would ever make me feel like this. Wow. Isn't that awesome? She felt the love of God. Look what the Bible says about God's love. This is the closest thing he can find to equate to his love, and it's still not close enough. Can a mother forget the nursing child? Can she have no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. And the book of Romans says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us 
from this love. Out of love comes this joy and peace. I'm going to wrap up with these last two. Because once you experience the love of God, family of God, the joy and the peace are just automatic. Human joy is fickle and fleeting. You guys know that, right? I mean, what brings us joy, you know? Tell me, what brings us joy? What brings you joy? Food. Food. People. People. Money. Music. A clean house. house. (laughs) That's what she said. Yeah, and, okay, you just have to trump everybody, don't you, back there? (laughs) Everybody else is just... I said church. (laughs) But all these things, except for that one, um, all these things are are temporal. Like, you eat a great meal, and you know, well, what happens to that? Right? And and the money, the the heartburn. Yeah, he says heartburn, Exactly. And, and the money, you know, the Bible says don't put your hope in money because it grows wings and flies away. I've experienced that. I was supposed to get at least a million dollars in my inheritance, but guess what? It grew wings and flew away. I didn't get a penny, right? I mean, these things that we put our hope in on this side of heaven, the, the, the things that we get joy out of, they, or, that's why it's so disappointing. Like church, family, Christmas time, it's supposed to be, these are supposed to be places that are full of love and joy. And so when your marriage doesn't work out, that's why it's so painful because there was a dream you had. You know, the I do turned into the I don't. And it's like, there's, I don't know if there's a pain on earth that can compare to that kind of a shattered dream or, or uh, coming to church and you think you're going to find unconditional love. I've talked to people that come out of AA and they realize that their, their higher God is Jesus. They, they give life to Jesus. And so they go from a group of people who are not trying to impress each other. They are transparent and they're vulnerable and they're humble. And they think, and now we get to add Jesus to it. And now we get to go to Jesus people group, which is called church. And they say, we come to church and everybody's posing and pretending. This is what they tell me. I've heard it for years. They come out of this place where everybody's honest and transparent and they've got each other's backs and they come to church and people just aren't being honest about what's going on in their lives and where they're at. And they're just, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord, Shonda, Shonda, right? And then you go home and you act like the devil, you know? And people are like, what is going on here? And it's so disappointing. It's a letdown. It's disheartening. Or the holidays come along and you spend time with your family and your extended family. It's supposed to be a season of love and joy and peace. Yeah, the Christmas spirit. Hey, when I was 19 years old, I, used to, I worked at JCPenney's. There wasn't much Christmas spirit there. No, everybody in line supposed to have the Christmas spirit. They, they had a demonic spirit. It was, it was awful. What are God's sources of joy? I'm going to read these quickly. Salvation. The book of Isaiah says, With joy you will drink deeply from the fountains of salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, the psalmist says. Forgiveness is another source of God's joy. Look what this scripture says. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. 
When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. That's a, that's a favor, by the way, that the Lord does that so that we will confess and get our hearts cleaned. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. God's presence is another source of joy. Look what the psalmist says. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And then eternal security. Though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you will believe in him. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And then finally, peace. These are the things the Lord gives us. This is why I call them the greatest gifts. Love, joy. In the midst of chaos and pain and suffering and brokenness on this side of heaven, you can still tap into love that's unconditional and eternal. Joy that goes beyond temporal things that promise to satisfy, but then they dissipate. And peace. How much peace do you and I need? The anxiousness and the strife and the fear and the worry and the panic. But look what Jesus says. I have told you these things while I am with you, but the helper, everybody say the helper. His name is the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. He will help you remember everything I've told you. Peace, I leave with you. My perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. Isn't that amazing? Jesus knows that his peace is perfect and that you need it. My perfect peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Isn't that a great scripture? Peace doesn't mean that everything in your natural world is going to just be calm. That's not the peace he's talking about. He's talking about the peace that you experience inside of yourself when everything else is chaotic. He calls it a peace that passes understanding. One of my favorite uh, drawings that won a, art, uh, a competition, an art competition, uh, the, the theme was peace. And everybody's drawing these serene uh, landscapes. The one that won was a, a painting of a tumultuous sea. Just raging waves and clouds and thunder and lightning and chaos. But right up in the corner of the painting was this little ledge and a cliff. And there was a little bird sitting there just watching the storm. That's Jesus in the boat on a lake in the middle of a storm. And all of his disciples were crying out, we're going to die, we're going to die. These are fishermen. They knew what a storm that was going to drown your boat looked like. And this was it. And they cried out, and Jesus was asleep on a pillow. Wow! How? 
How? Come on, y'all. How is that possible? I mean, we're awake when there's not a storm and we're fretting. He's actually in a storm that's going to drown the boat and he is asleep on a pillow. How is that possible? I want you to answer me. If you answer me, I'll close the sermon. Okay. (laughs) You guys are naughty. Trust, Mark says, trust in the Father. Somebody else. He is peace. Somebody else. He understands his authority. He understands his authority. Yeah, but. He's in touch with true reality. He's in touch with true reality. So what's, what is truer than a storm that's sinking your boat? God is with him. The ability to stop it. Yeah, but we try to stop our storms and they don't stop sometimes. Anybody with me on that one? Can you feel me? Yes. Yeah. And so he's doing what he's supposed to do. I want to boil it down to this one thing. And there's all these answers are great answers. He was in perfect intimacy with God. His father-son relationship was so perfectly intact that he could sleep in the middle of a storm that is sinking the very boat that he is on. And he wants the same thing for you and I. That is why prayer can't be a duty. It's not a duty. Being in the Word, the Bible, it's not an obligation. Coming to church isn't like shouldn't be a drudge serving others being part of the kingdom of god sharing your faith with others all these things are us connecting with our father in heaven being about his purpose being filled with his spirit that is where we end up experiencing the love the joy and the peace that jesus came to give to us So as we close today, I'm going to ask Josh to come back up here. And I want to close today just by us reconnecting with the Father. Some of you, maybe you have disconnected. Maybe you're sitting here in church and you're disconnected. You're in church. You can reconnect with the Father like that fast. Jesus, your King, is here to forgive you. He can wash you of every sin. I'm going to tell you something else he can do. He can deliver you from grief. I don't know. I feel like I just got that from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close up because my time's up. But I feel like somebody needs to hear this in here. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this. I had somebody very, 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 very dear to me commit suicide. And I was sitting in the back seat of my mom's car because i was visiting ohio my family was there we're going out to dinner i was sitting in the back seat of the car and i was completely engulfed in grief the kind of grief where you just can't breathe anybody ever experienced that before where you have experienced such grief and sorrow that you just feel like you can't breathe anybody just i'm gonna make sure i'm not alone okay well a lot of people we should probably have some prayer lines here in a moment and I'm sitting in the back, and I remember, I remember one of my family members was really annoyed with me because 
at the dinner table, I just kind of sat there and just stared down at the plate. And I couldn't talk. I didn't want to talk. You're just paralyzed with grief and sorrow and sadness. And in that moment, when I got in the car, and I was sitting in the car, and everybody's out there hugging and laughing. It's Christmas time. It's right. It was Christmas time. And I was sitting back there. The Lord spoke to me. He spoke a verse out of the Bible to me. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know how it works, but it worked. That word went into me and it delivered me from grief. It was a supernatural deliverance. I'm not saying that'll happen for everybody all the time. It hasn't happened for me for all the time, but it happened in that moment. That was real. I mean, it was so supernatural. I missed the person. But the grief was taken out of me. It was supernatural deliverance from grief. This is our King. This is our God. Maybe you need a new touch from the Lord today. Let's all stand. Maybe you need a fresh touch from the Lord today. Before we leave today, can we just engage? Just engage Him. And say, Lord, I need a fresh touch of your divine love. I need a fresh and filling of your divine joy. I need a fresh and filling and touch of your divine peace. And just open your hands to Him and let's worship Him and allow Him to touch and fill us. And if you need help with this, you need an extra touch, I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up. I had a call this week from someone who said, thank you for doing those prayer teams at the end of service. I get so much every time I come up for prayer. Would you, if you, wanna, if you want special prayer, an encounter, healing, deliverance, maybe a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, you just come up and let these prayer teams pray over you as we fill this house with praise.
Before uh, church, we have pre-service prayer. Everybody's invited to it. It's at another room right down the hallway. It's powerful. One of the things that we felt the Holy Spirit was saying to us in that pre-service prayer was that some don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. And that is, you've, you've given your life to Jesus, and so the Holy Spirit's in you, but the Holy Spirit has not yet come upon you. Jesus said this to his own disciples. Don't go anywhere until you receive the power of of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He had already breathed on them, and they had received the Holy Spirit, and they were born again. But he said, don't go anywhere until the power of my Father comes upon you, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so they waited, and then a rushing wind came in, filled that place. They all spoke in tongues, and they could bust out of that room, and then the miracles started happening. Some of you need that. You never had that before. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to move from your seat. Come up front here. We're going to make some room. We're going to lay hands on you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for the power of God to come upon you, for you to receive your prayer language. If you have never spoken in a prayer language, this is your moment. This is your time. So I'm going to ask Will and Ava to come back up here. And let's, uh, let's close out with uh, worship. You're welcome to uh, go. You're welcome to stay. But if you've never received what I'm talking about right now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God coming upon you, you want to move up this way. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, you want to come up here and receive Jesus as your king. Sign up for the volunteer breakfast. If you volunteer, so we know how much food to bring. Make sure you pass out the invite tart cards for next Sunday's Christmas service. And God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Hey, Gary. You are here, moving in us, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are. 
Promise keep light in the darkness.